Welcome to the Swim Swim Breakdown. As always, I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, coming to you from Austin, Texas. We are joined by Swim Swim Editor-in-Chief Braden Keith from Finville, Michigan, and Senior International Reporter Loretta Race from French 75 Boutique in Kentucky. We are getting straight down to business. Let's start this breakdown with the Commonwealth Games. I feel like we've put out a bazillion reports on this already, and you can expect a bazillion more on SwimSwam.com. With the start list officially being out, who are you most excited to see pop off, make their big international debut, or have their big breakout in Birmingham? Did Mel tell you we couldn't do pre-question banter anymore? (laughs) He said, no! (laughs) None of it! Um, I'm looking forward to Matt Sates. You know, I think... think I, I think maybe some people, I don't know if us, Ben Dornan, expected too much from him at Worlds when it was clear that South Africa is focused on <laughs> this meet instead. Um, but, you know, Shut we've got to remember that he's been like teetering on the precipice. And every time he goes after a meet, he makes this big lurch forward. And it didn't come at the World Championships, but he had um, he was non-COVID illness. Right. It was a, it was a non-COVID sick uh, right. And I, he he said over and over he wasn't tapered, and some of our readers were like, "Oh, of course he's going to taper," and he wasn't. <laughs> um, so I think this is going to be his lurch forward. I think he's got some big swims against Duncan Scott. He's got a big opportunity. I think he's a guy that likes swimming against good swimmers, um, and I think he likes swimming against Commonwealth swimmers. So I think he's going to have a big meet, and I think this is going to be his big stand where all of a sudden he's. David Popovich, you know, he, he's already, he's already part of this next, right? He, but I think this is the moment where he's going to arrive and, and, and make a big dent in the world. I think that's a good choice. I'm going with 22 year old Brody Williams from England. Okay. Little known name, but I do think that the men's backstroke events are a little bit wide open. They're not as cut and dry as a lot of the other events, like men's 200 breasts, for instance. So Brody is entered in the 100 back and the 200 back. He has times of 54.88 and 156, which those are solid times. Okay. And he's also doing the 4 a.m. He's the only Englishman that's doing the 4 a.m. And he has a 4.12 in that event. So I'm looking for him to have his breakout. He's been dropping time, especially in his 200 back. So I, I'm really having my eyes on him. He's, certainly... he's only a year younger than Luke Greenbank. That's that surprising right? to me. Yeah, I guess I kind of right. thought Luke was older. Oh, not, I did too. Not even a year. It's it's like six months. Right. Oh, that is surprising. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was kind of wondering if he was going to be the guy that could come in and finish that relay. That relay's got kind of a window here that probably – will evaporate post Paris without some, uh, some fresh blood. So I'm wondering if he's, if he's got the the juice to take over mm-hmm. that backstroke leg, but he's not as young as I thought he was. Yeah. I mean, but Mitch Larkin hasn't been doing all that great, quite honestly. And then we know that Isaac Cooper is no longer competing for Australia, at least in the hunter back. So it opens a couple yeah. more doors um, and it's a home game. So he's going to have that English crowd behind sure. him. So that's, you know, extra motivation. So Brody Williams, do me proud. <laughs> How many, what is Matt Sates actually going to swim? How many South African records do we think he's going to break? Both well, he, IMs. He's doing two IMs, one fly, two free, four free. So he's got a packed schedule. If he keeps them all, I'm assuming he will. Yeah. 
So I think he uh, can break both. The South African records are 157.0 and 411 in the IMs. And I think he can get both of those. Chad LaCloze's two free is 145.20. I would have said no a few months ago, but after watching the world's two free, I, yeah, I think he could go 144. Four free is 345.92. I think that's within reach. You don't, you don't think he can go 345 mid? I think he could go 345 mid, but like he, the, to, I think one or two of these is very plausible. I think like three plus of those times, it's like he'd have to really be on fire and really be having a good meet, which is totally plausible. I mean, he, he could do it, but I would say two. I, my, my bet would be two. I think two South African okay, records so I- for Matt States. All right, so on the women's side, who who matters? We got Emma McKee and Kaylee McEwen. Those are the obvious ones. I think Emma's going to be good. Um, she, we we have to remember in the ISL, she had no problem showing up and being good every almost every time she raced, even if she was taking a break. So I think she's going to be good. Who else is going to show up for the on the women's side? McIntosh. We if we're talking about Canada, McIntosh summer it'll be exciting to see her compete again it'll be exciting to see molly o'callaghan compete again and try her hand at the backstrokes the 50 and the 100 she's definitely not doing the 200 um but i yeah there's a there's some young talent that we saw really shine in budapest that i think can continue that momentum here in birmingham do you think do i think molly can be better I do. Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah. I I think I I don't think she's going to like March challenge only. the Campbell records, but I think yeah. she's going to be I think she can go best times. Um show and mocker obviously. Right. Yeah, and yeah. Titmus, right? The Yeah. yeah the I was going to say Olympic from also from Australia, Mina Atherton. We we didn't get to see Mina um perform at Worlds, and she still has a lot of backstroke talent, and so I I think this could be her sole focus, obviously, this summer. So I, I think that that could fuel her. Uh, and we might see one or two, you know, big performances. She's in the two back for sure. It feels like at this meet, there's a lot of really fast women, but they don't overlap in the same way that the top men at this meet do, is mm-hmm. what it feels like to me. Like, it feels like in, in the men, there's more good head-to-head races. In the women, it's more just racing the clock. Uh, you know who can get close to their record when kind of has their own events unless molly shows up and and maybe picks off emma in the 100 free is she swimming the 100 free i assume she's swimming the 100 free yeah both both of those women are oh because they get three right yeah yes yeah 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 so it should be good uh isaac cooper being out for medication (laughs) something or other it's not still knocks every every media outlet that covers swimming got i assume the same anonymous email claiming that it was still Knox. that everybody in australia knew it was still Knox. and swimming australia said that they categorically deny that it was still Knox. uh there's only a few there's only really a few drugs that like fall into this category right and and i won't name them because i don't want to speculate too much but there's only a few things that would be prescription medicines that somebody would have that somebody could abuse, but that wouldn't actually get you dinged for a doping violation. Hmm. Yeah. It was a very oddly worded statement with 
without transparency, right? He, he has acknowledged his mistakes and accepted the consequences. And Swimming Australia will continue to support him as he addresses these challenges. But it's for well-being challenges that included the use of medication. It's so dumb because it's going to come out. In Australia, everything always comes out. <laughs> yeah. Like somebody, somebody there is leaking like a sieve and the, yeah. the, the big papers <laughs> always gets it. I don't know why they don't just say like in the U.S., Caleb Dressel can probably keep whatever happened a secret for another month or two. But in Australia, we're going to find out by tomorrow what it was. <laughs> Yeah, so that was an odd one. And just, yeah, kind of another in, in this series of this summer of athletes not being that transparent when uh, when bad things happen. But what are you going to do, I guess? I, that's, that's swimming for you. Uh, <laughs> speaking of athletes not necessarily showing up, duel in the pool is happening. The U.S. released their roster. Uh, what do you feel like it says that out of – 23 athletes on our U.S. roster, I think 11 females, 12 males, or vice versa. Um, only 10 of them were world champs participants. I think people are getting too used to the idea of not competing. Mm. Um, like, I think that's I think that's become the popular thing to do, right? Like, I think for a hot minute there, competing a lot was the thing to do. And I think in the U.S., not competing is becoming the cool thing to do. Um <laughs> And I'm sure everybody, if you asked all the people who aren't going, they're going to say, oh, they need a break for their mental health. I've said that before on this podcast that I don't think just avoiding is really solving the mental health. It's, you know, there's got to be ways to have more positive mental health without just avoiding competition, without just avoiding the media and all those things. But I think right now the trendy thing to do is to take breaks and not compete, um, so whatever it is, what it is, Australia dropped their first 13 athletes. And so far it looks like they're going to kick the Americans, but it's pretty quick. Um, you know, it, it's such a long travel. It's much easier That's, for the Australians to show up. But, that was going to be yeah. my question was, do you think that that is the primary reason? I, you know, if it were in the U S or even like Europe, I mean, you know, yeah. somewhere, do you think that that would have played? Yeah, into- okay. Cause, cause I think it's trendy in Australia to not compete right now too. Cause they didn't, they didn't even do the ISL. So I think What's it's trendy there to not compete, but it's so easy for them to show up to this meet. I think that's why they're going to bring a much better roster. You know, we were talking before the the show came on American, American swim people. I, you know, there, there's these like tiers of swim fandom, right? There's the people who know Michael Phelps. There's the people who can name Caleb Dressel and Katie Ledecky. There's our readers. There's people who can name nobody, but you know, in this kind of, like middle section of swim fans, Americans will know most of the Australians. Australians will not know about two thirds of the people on the American roster. And the U S is still, when you're talking to this level, the U S is hundredth best swimmer is better than the Australia's hundredth best swimmer. So it's not just because the Australians don't know them doesn't mean that that's a total drop off the cliff. Like it would be in Australia, but I do, I just don't see them compete. I think the U.S. might have a chance if they decided it's in short course. Do we know if it's short course or long course? Pretty sure it's short course. It would be yeah. And so the American roster, the American roster is better in short course, right? Um, with like Beta Nelson is Beta Nelson's a superstar in short course, um, even though she's not on the long course world team. So in short course, the U.S. has a has a shot here, but. Um, 
it's going to be tough. I'm going to defend Michael Andrew because on the whole, he competes no matter what. He competes yes. and competes and competes. So agree. You can't say that about everybody on the yeah. roster or general. Well, general. And, and maybe he'll swim nine races and the yeah. Americans will have a chance. <laughs> yeah. But and again, he hasn't done well in the ISL format. And this is sort of an ISL-esque meet. So that maybe that doesn't even I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see some empty lanes. Um, I think I still think the meet's going to fall flat. I'm glad we have rosters now, though. I think it's a little more fun now that we have some rosters to start arguing about. They should add Cody Simpson. <laughs> they Maybe need the they really, they they really do. But They're probably uh, waiting for Kyle to decide if he's going. <laughs> so for, for Australia, just to give our listeners uh, that little preview, we know that McKeon is on the roster. McEwen, Kayla McEwen, uh, Zach and Surdy. Uh, Stubbly Cook, I know. Stubbly Cook. Um, so, you know, Maddie Wilson. Um, so, <laughs> just, Matt, Matt just so name name Matt the Temple. top name name the top seven guys from the so, swimmers from the Americas. I mean, honestly, kind of looking at the guy side, it's like Michael Andrew, Shane Casas, rock stars in short course. Ryan Held, rock star short course. Chase Kalish. Not a rock star short horse, but can do it. Like in IMs, you know, generally all right. a rock star. Uh, Justin Ress, really this good. Triton Julian in that mid mid distance yeah. range, pretty solid. Um, and then you know it kind of goes off from there. I mean, that's like what six of the twelve, so that's half the roster. But um, I think on the women's side is kind of really where we like our best woman is actually by far Beta Nelson because of her short course prowess. And then it's like Mallory Comerford, Annie Laser, Bella Sims. Yeah. And then it, and then it kind of, yeah. So, and I think there's a chance that the Americans will throw a few more on there once they get through nationals and everybody sees how they feel. Be pretty cool. I mean, and I'd I'd take a free trip to Australia, even if I wasn't going to train or taper for it. (laughs) Maybe that's just me. Would be pretty cool, but we'll we'll see how that shape up. There, I'm sure there will be lots of developments between now and then. Um, the Olympic A cuts came out for 2024 Paris Games. Um, what what is interesting about that specifically is that their relay selection will be the top three from the 2023 Worlds will go through automatically. That's the World Champ Summer Worlds in Fukuoka, and the next 13 spots will come from the 2024 World Championships in Doha with no wild card selections for Olympic relays. Uh, how do you, how do, how do we feel about this selection process? So first off, I thought it was fascinating how the Americans responded to this 2024 world championships versus the Brits. And those are the two countries that we seem to have heard the most from so far. The Americans generally seem to be okay with it. Um, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I'm okay with them using this as an incentive for 2024 worlds. You know, I don't think if they're having a 2024 worlds, I think they kind of had to do this. The no wild cards annoys me because that means if you're fourth at 2023 worlds and you DQ and prelims at 2024 worlds, you're out. Um, And I think even if you're going to leave one open spot, I think you've got to leave another pathway 
Um, I, I understand that they think if they leave four open spots, well, then you might as well just not have any spots from 2024 Worlds because countries like Great Britain then will just bypass them and, and take the wild card spots. Um, but I, I would like, I, I think it would have been incredibly exciting to leave one open wild card spot in each relay and have countries just going crazy at all these different meets around the world, chasing relay cuts. One day somebody goes a 303, the next day somebody goes a 302 high and then 302 mid. I thought that would have been like high quality hype for countries that aren't actually going to win medals in the build up to the Olympic games. Um, so that's, that's really the part I have a bigger beef with than using 2024 worlds. I mean, for countries like the U S and great Britain, all they have to do is kind of show up and they can be in the top 13 at 2024 worlds show up and not get DQ'd. So I don't think that's that big of a deal for me. And I, I texted Braden, like for me, when I was looking at that, I was more focused on the time standards themselves, because to me, it seemed like the A cuts and the B cuts were like like this far apart this time around. Whereas Tokyo, there is, okay, there's the definite A cut and then a definite B cut. But you're looking at like the Paris, I'm looking at the men's 50 free, 2196A, 2207 is B. Like yeah. that's pretty tight. And then I, well, but then, okay, that's a 50, but then 4AM, 412.50 for the men's 4AM and then for A cut and then 413.76 for the B cut. Like that's pretty slim. Yeah. And you, but you know, uh, so we're doing an analysis. I don't know when it's going up um, on how this compares to prior years, but as it turns out, most swimmers who have gotten B cuts historically don't go. Um, so, uh, you know, in one sense, they're just kind of truing up the cuts with the reality. Um, and, and maybe not, it's weird, right? Because in swimming, we're so used to like NCAA B cuts are effectively meaningless for, for <laughs> anything that matters. And so we're used, we're so used to having these cuts just because then people can brag about having hit the cuts. Um, I think it's kind of good because it doesn't give people a false hope. They, they faced a lot of drama in prior years with people who hit Olympic B cuts don't get chosen because there's not enough slots left. And then they accuse somebody of malfeasance <laughs> of, of you know, either their national federation or the inter international federation. They're mad at somebody just because they don't really understand the process. Mm -hmm. And so if the, the new tighter B cuts are going to be closer to who's actually going to get a get to go, because not many people go with B cuts okay. either, either because they're not invited or because their countries just choose to not take them. So if it's true to what's actually going to happen, I think I'm kind of okay with that. All right. All right. It, but it is an interesting observation that they've done that. Right. I don't know that the new FINA regime has done nearly as much good as they said they were going to, but I think this is a positive thing that they've done. I, I like that. I, I would, yeah, I also saw that and was taken aback and uh, I'm glad, glad to get the context of a lot of B cuts don't go, which is again, super interesting because it's like, if you qualify for an Olympics, you wouldn't go, but again, lots of factors playing into that. Switching gears to the NCAA world, uh, we had a couple big transfer transfer portal news stories this week. Uh, Emma Wyant of Virginia is in the transfer portal, uh, so we'll start with that. The obvious landing spot. Going, right? for her. I mean, 
I, we all know where she's going, right? I, and I'm not even going to just rely on the girlfriend theory because that feels a little sexist to me, even though it does hold true a lot of the time. Um, it, it, she's from Sarasota, and that team, Brent Arkey, I think if he could, would send every one of his swimmers every year to the University of Florida. So there's just... There's just all this stuff, you know, cheaper tuition. I think Florida, Florida's got a huge couple of classes coming in, but I think they still have enough money to give her in-state tuition. It's just too obvious. Like if she doesn't go to Florida, I'm really going to want to know why. And it's her decision. She can do what she wants to do. But I, the, if it would have to be a really good reason to not go to Florida. Um, they're good at training 400 diameters. She's going to Florida. I'm, I'm just saying it now. She's going to Florida. I'm not going to argue with that. That sounds like a good theory. In both I'm, just, I'm, I'm really interested to hear her perspective, obviously, but, um, you know, seemingly she's had some success at Virginia. She didn't have a terrible year. I know she wasn't happy with her 400 IM at Worlds, but she won a medal, a bronze, uh, and NCAA seemed to go well for her, right? She was second, third, and five second, I think, in the 500 free. Um, yes, woman, she, except in the state of Florida. And she's legally the NCAA champion. So, <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, maybe we don't, she, we don't maybe need she to really unpack that any further, but yeah, maybe she's really chasing that title. But I'm, I'm just, I, it's, it's interesting. You don't usually see an athlete have the kind of success she did just in general and then transfer to somewhere else. But she did well, just go through her freshman year and she was really good coming in. Some, you know, there's a lot of sharks in that. Um, and some people like being the biggest shark. Um, and when she goes to Florida, I think in the short term, she's the biggest shark The you know, uh, what Bella Sims is going there. So she might, she might be surpassed, but you know, she's either one a or one B at the university of Florida. Um, and at Virginia, she's right now at best third, maybe fourth, um, and in a pretty good gap to what Kate Douglas and Alex Walsh have done at the NCAA level. So some people that matters, you know, she deferred her freshman year at Virginia. So that gives you some indication that maybe she's, more inclined to, to trust Brent Arkey than she is Todd DeSorbel. I don't know. There's, you know, there's a lot of psychology that could go on here and hopefully we can get her on the podcast. I assume she wouldn't come on until after she makes a decision and we can sort of ask her to, to unpack who, who she talked to, who she would, was advised by and why she made the decision and um, find out the real answers instead of just guessing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot, I think there's a lot of good reasons to leave Virginia, even with the level of success they've had, we just have to find out which one is her reason. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love some of the theories in the comments. It's like she should give Wisconsin a look <laughs> and which Mind is program, not, but I don't think on Wisconsin. Yeah. It's yeah. like, what if she went to Florida state? You know, it's just there were there were a couple of random. Points. I don't think Neil um, wants her at Florida State because then he'd have to coach four IMers, and he doesn't want to do that. He wants to coach sprinters. I, I guess that's the assistant's job. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the other big news story in the transfer portal is that Cal's Isabel Stodden is staying at Cal. Um, what do you 
what does this say to you, right? That after everything this Cal program has been to, Isabel entered the transfer portal and now she she's made the decision to stay in Berkeley. Just what I've heard through the grapevine about her enthusiasm for staying at Cal and how she responded to us when we asked her about it. I think something's changed and I think the Cal swimmers know who the head coach is going to be there next year. Um, the rumor mill is that it's going to be that Dave Marsh is going to be involved, whether that means they name him the women's head coach or they combine the program, but it's kind of a Tennessee style thing where Marsh is, is doing the work and doing is sort of in name only. Um, people seem to believe that Marsh is going to be involved there somehow. And Marsh, we got to remember that Marsh, his swimmers haven't had great success the last few years, but circa 2015, he was like the Terry McKeever of the world, right? Where he just had to pick up the phone and make a call and, and swimmers wanted to swim for him. Um, so I, I think just the way she chose to do this, I think they know or have been given an idea of what next year is going to look like. And that's something they're excited about. Um, so we'll see if that news comes out in the next few days, maybe confirming the Marsh story. Remember, Marsh was working with Durden last year when uh, Chase Kreitler went on his paternity leave. So I think I think they must know something that the rest of us are just waiting to find out. That would be so wild. <laughs> uh, I I couldn't, I don't see them combining programs just because I don't feel like Durden would want it. But it again, it could be a Tennessee situation. It just be, it just blows my mind. Every time a big coaching change happens, it's like, what? Right. If they gave, if they gave Durden a hundred thousand dollars and basically said, Hey Durden, you just got to be, you know, keep Marsh, make sure Marsh is doing what Marsh needs to do. He's going to say, oh, okay, I can do that for a year, you know, <laughs> if it's for a year. Because I agree with you. I don't. I think Dave has no interest long-term in actually combining the programs. But it's all kind of farcical and, and, and name only sometimes. It's, the rules are so stupid. Maybe they, maybe they told Durden he could have another assistant if he sort of played along with this combining programs for a year. I think that's the stupidest rule that if you have a combined program each side can have two assistants. If you have separate programs, each side can only have one assistant. Right. I hate matter. that rule. It's, how do you, how would you feel like you reckon that by just giving two assistants to each one in a separated program or. Well, in a separate in. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, just do that. <laughs> and, and that's what the, that legislation is on the table. It's about football, but basically to, um, let the schools decide how many assistants they want to have. So the university of Alabama is going to have six assistants and uh, West Virginia is going to have three. So, it, you know, that's how that's going to go down in the not so distant future, but. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, that's our main stuff. So now it's time to end our breakdown with a little sink or swim. First up on sink or swim, Thomas Chacon whacked a second off of his hundred fly best time. He's 51.38, which is freaking legit. Uh, my question about that is at the Paris Olympics in 2024, will Thomas Chacon medal in two different strokes, relays included? Uh, I'm going to swim this and not because I think he's going to medal individually in the hundred fly. I think, well, 
assuming assuming Dressel continues to swim, I think his ceiling is about fourth or fifth on the hundred fly. Um, not because I think he's going to swim butterfly on the relay because right now their second best backstroker is like two and a half seconds slower, which is shocking to me with how good um, Italy has been doing. I think he will medal as a member of Italy's 400 free relay, because I think Italy's 400 free relay, which was bronze at worlds um, of course, without a full great Britain relay is sort of, on target for a golden generation moment in, in Paris 2024. So they've got Alessandro Moresti, who's 23. They've got Manuel, who's 25. They've got um, Chacon, who is only 21. And they've got Lorenzo Zazzeri, who is 27, but is improving every year. Um, so I think that's four guys who can split 47 mid on a relay. So you'll have a 47 high leadoff and three 47 mids. And I think what Chacon showed with that hundred fly is that he's just a, he's just a gamer. He's a swimmer. He can figure out maybe a, a 47 real low off a of flying start in hundred free. And I think Italy, I think they're going to pip either great Britain or Australia for the bronze. I think both great Britain and Australia are on the wrong side of their arc in the, the 400 free relay. And so I think Italy is on the right side. Um, and that's where I think his second stroke is going to come from. Yeah, I'm swimming it as well. I, I do think he has relay power. I mean, I know flat start is like 47 mid 47 high Thomas is. So, I mean, that's with the relay start, even where time under his belt, I think it's, it's just going to happen and he's going to be part of that. Yeah. I'll swim it. I, th- I think, uh, I think he's got relay medal potential. I think obviously hundred back looks good for him. I think he could medal in the hundred fly too, I, because why not swim it? Cause what else is he going to do at the Olympics? Right. I mean, once swim. I, I would be surprised if you swim hundred free and like hundred back is day two and three hundred fly is like six and seven. It's like, Mixed why not? Medley, medley. Does, does Italy have enough for him to worry about the mix madly? Which, which rate we get, we don't know which race comes first. Cause we don't know the Olympic schedule. We know how to qualify, but we don't oh, know. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think Italy has enough for the mixed medley. They were in Budapest. They were, Oh, I guess they were fifth. He, he was yeah, on they've it. Got good, they've got good female breast. Oh, but that's they were not point the medal in a mixed medley. No, yeah. They were point two off of out of third for meddling actually i mean it was him and uh nicolo martinengi at the at the first two and then they had elena delito and yeah. sylvia de Pet, uh, pietro so i don't yeah i guess they could he'll have a busy schedule but yeah <laughs> so if we assume that they don't change the schedule significantly they just kind of move things around the 100 back is before the 100 fly in the olympic right. schedule so yeah, yeah, you can throw a flyer at it. Next up on Sink or Swim, we sat down with Tori Husk. We talked all about her first year at Stanford, her amazing world championships where she was the MVP of the Swim Swam Fantasy Draft. And she told us that she was training for the 400 IM with Greg Meehan at Stanford because I, I think that's Greg's strategy for everyone, honestly. And it seems to not be such a bad thing. However, sink or swim, Tori Husk will swim the 400 IM in a dual meet this season and will go under 404. 
I'm going to swim that she's going to swim it because come on, Greg, do it for the culture. Um, and here's why the last seven Olympic champions in the women's 200 IM are the exact same as the last seven Olympic champions in the women's 400 IM. Tori Husk is a very good 200 IMer. That says to me that she's also a very good 400 IMer. I'm going to swim it. Although I will point out that the last three Olympic runners up in the 200 IM have not medaled in the 400 IM, but we're going to ignore that data in favor of the other one. We're going to focus on the one that supports our position, not negates it. Greta? Okay. I'm... I'm torn on this one because I'm thinking it because I see your what you need a time converter to figure out what 404 is in long course kind of <laughs> but I'm just in my eyes okay she's a true sprinter and that's how I see her so she's supporting my she's a sprinter always a sprinter theory that I'm just thinking it for that reason <laughs> dumb reason fair enough. No, I think that's fair I think that's fair she's she's twitchier than the average 200 I am or probably yeah well and, and again to go back to what I said earlier I think Stanford has a lot more 400 IMers on their team than they do 50 and 100 freestyler and 100 flyers so in a dual meet setting they might be like yeah this would be the one Tori but you gotta swim the sprints and she had uh, such an awesome world in her sprint events that it's like okay the trajectory is there for Paris like I don't know. I kind of want her to stick to her bread and butter and like just hone those and just kick ass basically in Paris and nope. don't throw something else into the mix. No better way to trade for the 50 free than the 400 I am. Which is why our women's sprint group is excelling internationally right now. Right. Um, so to, to be, yeah, this is a clarification. She's not going to focus on the four racing, the 400 I am internationally or a trials or anything like she's like yeah i don't want to do that i just want to make my 200 im better uh well nobody ever wants to do the 400 im right your coach suggests you train with the 400 im group for a little while and then he suggests you swim it at a dual meet and then he suggests (laughs) you swim it at ncaa's and then you're a 400 imer that's just how it goes no one chooses the 400 IM. You get groomed for yeah. the 400 IM. Like, like Caitlin Leverance did not choose the 400 IM. <laughs> she was just pushed toward it. <laughs> um, I think that was the same with Melanie Margalis, too. Yeah. I'm thinking it, too. hates the 400 IM. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking this as well, only because I don't think she will swim it in a dual meet this year. But I hope she, if she does, I do think she will go for it. I am texting Greg Meehan right now while you guys do whatever the Put next her is. in. Yeah. her in. All right, last up, another uh, NCAA rising sophomore, Aiden Hayes, dropped a 51-7 at the, in the 100 fly at the uh, Mizzou sectionals this past weekend. Do you think Aiden Hayes will be NC State's top scorer this season at NCAAs. Okay, I'm just going to sink it because I'm going for the international swimmer. I'm going with Nils Kerstanhi. I think he's going to be the top scorer. So that's why I'm going with as opposed to Mr. Aiden. I'll go while Braden looks up numbers. (laughs) 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 
I'm going to swim it. I think Aiden's going to have a big year this uh, year. He's already got great underwaters. Uh, I think 100 and 200 fly, he's going to be a stud. He can also do the 50 free really well. So I think he's going to score 50 plus points at NC's this year. And I think that will be NC State's uh, top score. I think he's an absolute stud. He didn't have like an all-time, all-time Matt Sates kind of freshman season. Um, but I think it's been Can clear for a, a long time season? that he was yeah. <laughs> freshman six weeks. Three weeks, um, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's freshman been 15 days. <laughs> it's, it's been clear for a long time that he was a stud in this long course breakout just shows that. Um NC State's top scorer at NCAAs only had 29 points. They just had a ton of scorers. Mm. So if that's the bar again for next year, he's definitely going to score at least 30 points at NCAAs. I feel confident declaring that he will score 30 points at NCAA. So I'm going to swim it. Nice. Casper doesn't have Casper doesn't even really have a great second event, let alone a third event. Uh, oh, speaking of which, I talked to, <clears throat> let's see if I say this right, Xavier, I think that's how he told me to pronounce it, Mashuk, today. Oh. The Polish guy. Yeah. <laughs> the, he's not going to NC State till after Paris. Still oh. after Paris. Still planning oh. on NC State, but not after Paris. That podcast is dropping soon, but in case this wow. one drops first. It's a little tidbit for everyone. That's interesting. Uh, not going to after Paris. And he has trained with Casper. Casper was a big reason why he chose NC State. He was talking to other schools as well, but ultimately um, NC State was the one for him. And So if he know, wins a medal in Paris, he'll never show up. Exactly. So that's exactly <laughs> where my mind went. <laughs> if, uh, if, yeah, if history repeats itself. So yeah. we'll see. But uh Drop that little tidbit. That's the Swim Swim Breakdown. Tune in every week for your week's news in swimming.